Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm on with Mom again. Hello there. And this is going to be our final episode on The Hobbit, the last two chapters. Um, so we're starting with chapter 18, The Return Journey. And if you remember from the last episode, Bilbo has been knocked out. And the battle is still going on. The eagles are in the sky approaching. So, in this next chapter, Bilbo is not dead. He's come to, he doesn't feel too good because he's just been knocked out and that does some damage. He's been lying but, on the flat stones of Ravenhill. And still has the ring on. Because he has the ring on, nobody found him to, you know, consider as either dead or injured. They just didn't see him. And he doesn't see any living goblins within sight, but he thinks he sees elves moving in the rocks below. And he's like, victory after all, I suppose. Well, it seems a very gloomy business. And that's when he notices a man climbing up and coming toward him. And he calls out to the man in a shaky voice, Hello there, hello there, what news? And the man is like, what voice is it that speaks among the stones? And that's when Bilbo remembers he's still wearing his ring. And, uh, that's when he realizes the invisibility has drawbacks because... Otherwise, he could have, you know, been rescued and slept in bed that night. He takes off his ring. He reveals himself as Bilbo, companion of Thorin. And the man says that it's good that um, he found him just then and that he's needed. And they looked for him a long time. And um, if they hadn't found him, he would have been numbered among the dead. But Gandalf had said that the last time they'd heard his voice was in that spot. So they'd gone to look for him. So he'd gone to look for him in the last time. And he asked Bilbo if he's hurt much. And um, Bilbo just said he's had a nasty you know, knock on the head. But he had a helmet on and has a hard skull. But he still feels sick and his legs are like straws. So let's say he's got a uh, concussion. Yeah. And remember how we talked about it before, how the helmet is good, but it's not totally foolproof for not getting injured. So that would have been worse if he hadn't been wearing it, but that didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And um, the man offers to carry him down to the valley, and he does so, and he sets Bilbo down before a tent in uh, the Dale Ruins, and there's Gandalf, and Gandalf has his arm in a sling, so even Gandalf got injured in the battle. And um, Gandalf tells Bilbo that he's called for, and takes the Hobbit into the tent, and says, Hail Thorn, I've brought him. And so there's Thorin, he's in the tent, he has a lot of injuries, his 
armor and axe are both damaged and are on the floor. Actually, it says his armor is rent. And he looks up as Bilbo comes to him and says, Farewell, good thief. I go now to the halls of waiting to sit beside my father's until the world is renewed. Since I leave now all gold and silver and go where it is of little worth, I wish to part in friendship from you, and I would take back my words and deeds at the gate. And, you know, Bilbo realizes that he's dying, and he's filled with sorrow, and farewell, king under the mountain, he says, this is a bitter adventure if it must end so, and not a mountain of gold can amend it, yet I am glad that I have shared in your perils. That has been more than any Baggins deserves. And uh, Thorn says to him, there is more... No, there is more in you of good than some than you know, child of the kindly West, some courage and some wisdom blended in measure. If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. But sad or merry, I must leave it now. Farewell. Now, there's the quote that gets um, shared around on social media, and it's a good quote. I like it. Um, then... Uh, Bilbo turns away and um, goes by himself and wraps himself into a blanket and he cries. And um, he wept until his eyes were red and his voice was hoarse. He was a kindly little soul. Indeed, it was long before he had the heart to make a joke again. And he thinks it's a mercy that he woke up when he did, so he... Um, was able to say goodbye in Thorin and he wishes Thorin hadn't died but he was glad that they had parted you know in kindness and he thinks he made a real mess of the business with the stone and there was still a battle in spite of him trying to prevent it but that he can hardly be blamed for that yeah the goblins would have come regardless So Thorn is dead. Um, now, um, let's see. There were more that came besides the eagles, and we'll get into that now. So this is happening while Bilbo is unconscious from being hit on the head. The eagles had suspicion that the goblins were up to something and had been watching their movements. So they gathered in great numbers under the Great Eagle from the Misty Mountains and smelling the battle from afar, they come speeding down to it and they're dislodging goblins from the mountain slopes and um, throwing them over precipices and um, chasing them around on the ground and um, that was what turned the tide of the battle and even with the eagles they were still outnumbered and Bjorn um, came also in bear shape and he seemed to have grown almost to giant size in his wrath and the roar of his voice was like drums and guns and he tossed wolves and goblins from his path like straws and feathers and he broke through 
um, the ring of goblins to where the dwarves were making a stand. And he scoops up Thorn, who had been pierced by the spears, and carried him out. And he, multiple spears. Multiple yeah. spears. He yeah. scatters the bodyguard of Bolg, and he pulls down Bolg and crushes him. Uh, this is another movie difference where they have uh, Legolas kill Bolg. Um, no, there's no mention of Legolas even being here, so... Um, Bjorn killed Bolg wh- while in bear form. And after that, dismay fell on the goblins and they fled in all directions. And the uh, people fighting the goblins pursued them and killed most of them while they were trying to escape and some of them ended up in the river and some of them fled south or west and were hunted into the marshes that are around the forest river so on the you know east side of Mirkwood that's where those marshes would be and most of the Goblin fugitives perish there. So, yeah, they are killing the goblins as they're running away. And some of the goblins um, came into the Wood Elves realm and were killed by Wood Elves. Some of them got into Mirkwood and got lost and are implied to have died there. Um... And songs credit three parts of the goblin warriors from the north were killed on that day. And that brought peace to the mountains for a long time. I guess because not so many goblins and the ones that there are would be hiding pretty well. But that's not... That's not really specified. But since they're not fully gone by Lord of the Rings... Some of them must have hidden. Now, victory had been assured before the fall of night, but the pursuit was still on foot. When Bilbo returned to the camp, and not many were in the valley, save for the more grievous wounded. And he asked Gandalf where the eagles are, and um, Gandalf says they're still on the hunt. Um, but some of them are still on the hunt, but most have gone back to their eyries. And they wouldn't stay here. And they left at the first light of morning. And Dane has crowned their chief with gold and sworn friendship with them forever. And Bilbo says he's sorry that he would like to have seen them again before they left. But perhaps he'll see them on the way home. And he supposes he will be going home soon, he's asking. And Gandalf says, you know, he can go as soon as he likes. And it was actually some days before Bilbo left. Um, Thorin was buried deep, you know, beneath the mountain, and Bard, um, put the Arkham Stone on his breast before he was buried. So, he got his Arkham Stone back, but he was dead. And, and, um, Bard said, there, let it lie till the mountain falls, he said. May it bring good fortune to all his folk that dwell hereafter. 
and upon his tomb the elven king then laid Barkris, the elven sword that had been taken from Thorin in captivity. It said in songs that it gleamed ever in the dark if foes approached and the fortress of the dwarves could not be taken by surprise. There now Dane son of Nain took up his abode and he became king under the mountain and in many in, and in time many other dwarves gathered to his throne in the ancient halls. And Feely and Keely had died also um, defending Thorin with shield and body, for he was their mother's elder brother. And the other dwarves remained with Dane, for Dane dealt his treasure well. Now about this. Now Feely and Keely's death, once again, it's different from the film portrayal, which... Um, has um, one of the orcs basically stabs Feely and drops him off of a precipice and Keely gets um, killed defending Toriel the elf. So that's uh, another difference. And you notice how their deaths are mentioned almost as an afterthought here. Well, all right, I don't have any direct reference points to point two, but I had read that in the original draft, um, they hadn't been killed. But Tolkien was writing it so that the succession would pass to Dane after Thorne died, and Dane is Thorne's cousin. Nephews come closer than cousins. That would mean it would actually passed to Feely, who is the eldest nephew. So that's um, the reason they were written out. So then, there's no longer any question of dividing the horde into 14 shares the way it was going to be. But Bard still got his 14th share of silver and gold because um, Dane said we're still going to honor the agreement of the dead and Thorin got his Arkenstone back. And um, Bard used uh, from his 14th share he sent much gold to the master of Lake Town, and he rewarded his followers and friends freely. To the elven king, he gave the emeralds of Girion. Or Girion, I'm not Girion, sure. Uh, such jewels as he most loved, which Dane had restored to him. And to Bilbo... This treasure is as much yours as it is mine, though old agreements cannot stand, since so many have a claim in its winning and defense. Yet even though you are willing to lay aside all your claim, I should wish that the words of Thorn, of which he repented, should not prove true, that we should give you little. I would reward you most richly of all. And Bilbo says that 
he really doesn't think he could get all that treasure home without war and murder along the way, all the way back to the Shire, and it's a relief to him that he doesn't have to take that much. And in the end, he only takes a small chest of silver and a small chest of gold, as much as one strong pony can carry. And he farewells the dwarves, both his, you know, living friends who made it, and um, he says, may your beards never grow thin, and farewell, Thorn, Oakenshield, and Feely and Keely, may your memory never fade. And the dwarves um, bow low before their gate, and um, the words stick in their throats, but Balin says, Goodbye and good luck wherever you fare. If ever you visit us again, when our halls are made fair once more, then the feast shall indeed be splendid. And Bilbo says back, If ever you are passing my way, don't wait to knock. Tea is at four, but any of you are welcome at any time. And then he turns away. Now the elf army is heading back toward Mirkwood. Lessened because... A lot of them were killed, but they're still glad because um, the northern world would be safer. The dragon is gone and the goblins are overthrown. Now Gandalf and Bilbo rode behind the elven king, and beside them strode Bjorn, once again in a man's shape. And he laughed and sang in a loud voice upon the road. And I almost forgot to mention this. Another movie difference, but this one with the animated movie. Mm -hmm. The animated movie made only six dwarves survive the battle from the original 13. Yeah. Like, um, Bomber didn't survive and some of the others. And, you know, including Thorin. Yeah. But most of them did make it in the actual book. So yeah, they're riding out with the the Elven King and Gandalf Gandalf and Bilbo wouldn't go into the woods even though the king offered to let them stay for a while in his hall. And they were planning to go around the edge of the forest on the northern side. The one that before they wouldn't do because it would take too long and it was too close to where goblins lived. Well, I guess the goblins are crushed to the point they're not going to come out of the Grey Mountains and bother them. But it would be safer than the woods with its, you know, starvation and spiders and... And and Bjorn and Gandalf, you know, they're following. They're you know they're going with Bilbo, uh, on this part. They, so they part company with the Elven King. And Gandalf says, "Farewell, O Elven King. Merry be the greenwood while the world is yet young, and merry be all your folk." And the King responds, "Farewell, O Gandalf. May you ever appear." Where you are most needed and least expected. The oftener you appear in my halls, the better shall I be pleased. 
and oh Bilbo he he comes forward to the elven king and um says to beg of you to accept this gift and he brought out a necklace of silver and pearls that Dane had given him and the elf king asked what he'd done to earn that in what way if he earns that gift and Bilbo says to him well, Ur, I thought, don't you know, that Ur, some little return should be made for your Ur, hospitality. I mean, even a burglar has its feelings. I have drunk much of your wine and eaten much of your bread. So Bilbo is paying for, probably paying many times over, for the wine and bread that he stole while he was living there hiding. Invisible, some of it, yeah. And... The king gravely says, I will take your gift, O Bilbo the Magnificent. Gee, that was worth it right there to be called that. (laughs) And then name you Elf Friend and Blessed. May your shadow never grow less, or stealing would be too easy. Farewell. I think, compared with either movie version of Thranduil, he's a bit more provided he's not talking to a dwarf. I think he's a bit more personable, even has a little bit of a sense of humor that doesn't show in either. And it says that Bilbo had many hardships and adventures before he got back. I guess we'll never know the details of what those were. And the the wild wild was still the wild. And there were many other things in it in those days besides goblins but he was well guided and well guarded because he has Gandalf and he has Bjorn and he was never in great danger again by midwinter Gandalf and Bilbo got back along both edges of the forest to Bjorn's house and he spends yuletide there at Bjorn's and it's warm and merry and men came from far and wide to feast um I guess Yule in this context would be like a solstice winter festivity. And it doesn't say what kind of food they had, but I'm guessing it was all vegetarian and all really good. Uh. Well, probably similar to what, you know, the honey. What was the other things? uh... The honey and honey cakes and meat and milk and... Sounds good to me. And the goblins of the Misty Mountains were now few and terrified and hidden in the deepest holes. Yeah, I was right. They're hiding. And the wargs had vanished from the woods so that men went abroad without fear. Now about the wargs being vanished, uh, I'd say they're hidden too because wargs show up again in later Tolkien writings so mm-hmm. and Bjorn became a great chief afterwards in those regions and ruled a wide land between the mountains and the wood and it is said that for many generations the men of his line had the power of taking bear's shape and some were grim men and bad but most were in heart like Bjorn if less in size and strength and in their day, the last goblins were hunted from the Misty Mountains. That's what they think. And new peace came over the edge of the wild. Now, I don't know 
if there were any other bear changers at the same time. Um, once again, the other film said he's the last one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether his wife was a bear changer too, or she wasn't, but just was okay with it. Uh, well, I imagine she went into marriage with him with her eyes open, <laughs> or one would hope at least. It's not the kind of thing you spring on your wife after the honeymoon phase. <laughs> well, in whatever way, he has bear changer descendants. Okay. Um, so I guess so. And by that point, it's spring when Bilbo and Gandalf leave Bjorn and they head for home and Bilbo's feeling regret about the spring flowers he's leaving and they come up to the pass where the goblins had captured them before in the mountains, but it's morning and the sun is shining, it's no no storm, no goblins. And he can actually see Mirkwood blue in the distance and darkly green at the nearer edge, even in the spring. And very far away, the lonely mountain on the edge of eyesight, where its highest peak, you can still see some snow. I don't know. I thought that the Goblin Pass was on the west side of the mountains. So I wouldn't think he'd be able to see stuff on the other side of the mountain range from that vantage, but I guess he can. So comes snow after fire, and even dragons have their ending, said Bilbo, and he turns back on his adventure. The Tukish part was getting very tired, and the Baggins was daily getting stronger. <coughs> I wish now only to be in my own armchair, he said. So that ends chapter 18. Chapter 19, the last stage. And the final chapter. The final chapter, which is pretty short. It's basically wrapping up the story. So on May the 1st, Gandalf and Bilbo get back to Rivendell, where the last or the first homely house stands. And it was evening and their ponies are tired, especially the one that carried the baggage. And they all felt in need of rest. And they ride down the path. And the elves are singing their song again, but the lyrics have changed. The dragon is withered, his bones are now crumbled. His armor is shivered, his splendor is humbled. Though swords shall be rusted and thrown and crown perish. With strength that men trusted and wealth that they cherish. Here grass is still growing and leaves are yet swinging. The white water flowing, the elves are yet singing. Come tra-la-la-lali, come back to the valley. The stars are far brighter than gems without measure. The moon is far wider than silver and treasure. The fire is more shining on hearth in the gloaming than gold won by mining. So why go a-roaming? Oh, tra-la-la-lali, come back to the valley. Oh, where are you going so late and returning? The river is flowing, the stars are all burning. A wither so laden, so sad and so dreary, here elf and elf maiden, now welcome the weary, with tra-la-la-lali, come back to the valley, tra-la-la-lali, fa-la-la-lali, fa-la. The elves all come out and greet them, and 
They go to the house of Elrond and everyone wants to hear about their adventures. And it was Gandalf who talked. Bilbo was quiet and drowsy. And he already knew most of the story because he'd been in it. But every now and then he'd open one eye and listen more to a part that he wasn't part of. And he found out what Gandalf had been doing when he left them on the edge of Mirkwood. He went to a great council of the white wizards who were masters of lore and good magic. And that they had had at last driven the necromancer from his dark hold in the south of Mirkwood. So... The necromancer who is actually Sauron has been driven out of Mirkwood and, well, it doesn't talk about this here, but he moved from Mirkwood to Mordor. He's not gone. I don't know how the wizards did it. They certainly didn't go and do it a second time in Lord of the Rings. And this would have been Radagast, Saruman, I'm not really sure who else in the movie it included, Elrond and Galadriel. The two blue wizards I think are already far enough away that they're not going to be around to help with that. So Gandalf says that the woods will grow somewhat more wholesome and that the north will be freed from that horror for many long years, he hopes, yet he wishes he were banished from the world. The necromancer. And Elrond says that it would be well indeed, but he fears that will not come about in this age of the world or for many after. Um, Elrond was actually wrong about that. Because if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, I guess this is a spoiler, but Sauron is defeated in the Third Age, which is what The Hobbit is also set in. Right. It's years later, not ages later. And more tales of their journeyings and... Yeah, there were plenty more tales told, and... Bilbo's head fell forward on his chest and he snored comfortably in a corner while tales continued to be told. And he wakes and finds himself in a bed and the moon is shining through a window and elves are singing loudly about the river and trees and Are you going to... uh... Should I read this whole song? That's not that long. Sing all ye joyful, now sing all together. The winds in the treetop, the winds in the heather, the stars are in blossom, the moon is in flower, and bright are the windows of night in her tower. Dance all ye joyful, now dance all together. Soft is the grass, and let foot be like feather. The river is silver, the shadows are fleeting. Merry is Maytime, and merry our meeting. Sing we now softly, and dreams let us weave him. Wind him in slumber, and there let us leave him. The wanderer sleepeth, now soft be his pillow, lullaby, lullaby, alder and willow. Sigh no more pine, till the wind of the morn, 
Fall moon, dark be the land. Hush, hush, oak, ash, and thorn. Hush be all water till dawn is at hand. So they're singing this lullaby song loudly. Bilbo looks out the window. Well, merry people, what time by the moon is this? Your lullaby would waken a drunken goblin, yet I thank you. And your snores would waken a stone dragon, yet we thank you. It is drawing toward dawn, and you have slept now since the night's beginning. Tomorrow, perhaps, you will be cured of weariness. Which Bilbo says, a, a little sleep does a great cure in the house of Elrond, but I will take all the cure I can get. A second good night, fair friends. And he goes back to bed and sleeps into late morning. And um, he stayed there about a week and had many a merry jest and dance early and late with the elves. Weariness fell from him. And he says farewell to Elrond and gives him some small... Such small gifts as he would accept, and he rides away with Gandalf, and as he leaves the valley, it starts raining. Merry is Maytime, said Bilbo. And the back is to legends, and they're coming home, and he supposes this is the first taste of it, in which Gandalf is like, it is a long road yet, but it is the last road, said Bilbo. Well, it is kind of a long road. They have the whole Lone Lands and Bree to right. travel through. They come to the same river that, um, I believe this is the same one where they had a pony get into the water and lost supplies. Um, and the water is pretty deep because there's been melting snows and rain. So it wasn't easy to cross, but they crossed it okay. And it was a pretty much like before, except the company was smaller and more silent, and there were no trolls this time. Actually, I'm not sure this is the same river they had the trouble with before, because that happened before they got to the trolls, and... Yeah. Trying to think the geography of the area in my mind. I'm like, they're too far along for it to be the Brunen, and, um... If it's the Horwell, then they've already... Um... Past where the trolls would be, so I'm not exactly sure... Um, they find the place not far off the road where they had buried the troll gold, and it's still there, not touched. And Bilbo digs it up and says he has enough treasure and says to Gandalf that he should take it, and he dares... I dare say you can find a use for it, and Gandalf says, Indeed I can, but share and share alike, you may... Find you have more needs than you expect. So they put the gold in bags and put them on the ponies, and the ponies aren't happy about that. Gold is heavy. 
And I was already thinking of that pony that's carrying a chest of gold and a chest of silver and thinking, oh, it's going to be heavier on one side of the pony. That's not going to be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so the going is slower. The land is green. There's grass. Bilbo is mopping his face with a red silk handkerchief, but it is not one of the ones of his own that he brought with him. He'd borrowed this one from Elrond. And by borrowed, I still don't think Elrond's getting that back. Or that he cares. Um, it's June by now, and the weather is bright and hot. And he eventually gets back into the Shire, and he sees his own hill in the distance, and he stops suddenly and says, Roads go ever on and on, over rock and under tree, by caves where never sun has shone, by streams that never find the sea, over snow by winter sown, and through the merry flowers of June, over grass and over stone, and under mountains in the moon, roads go ever, ever on, under cloud and under star, yet feet that wandering have gone, turn at last to home afar. Eyes that fire and sword have seen, and horror in the halls of stone, look at last on meadows green, and trees and hills they long have known. I love this song. I mean, it's not really in song form here, but mm -hmm. um, if you look for either the soundtrack from the animated movie, I believe it's by Glenn Yarbrough, Yarbrough, if I'm pronouncing it right, and also Clemavi de Profundis, who I mentioned before, they also have an adaptation of it, and both are really good. So look it up. And Gandalf looks at Bilbo and he says, My dear Bilbo, something is the matter with you. You are not the hobbit that you were. And then Bilbo gets past the mill by the river and come, crosses the bridge and comes to his own door. He sees a commotion of hobbits all around the door. And they're going in and out, and they're not even wiping their feet on the mat, as Bilbo notices with annoyance. And he realizes that he's in the middle of an auction. It's a big notice in black and red on the gate, and it says that on June the 22nd, Messrs. Grubb, Grubb and Burroughs would sell by auction the effects of the late Bilbo Baggins Esquire of Bag End Underhill Hobbiton. Sale to commence at 10 o'clock sharp. Now, it's nearly lunchtime. Most of the stuff's already been sold. Um, for various prices, from next to nothing to old songs, as is not unusual at auctions. And the Sackville Baggins, as Bilbo's cousins, are there. And they're measuring his rooms to see if their own furniture could fit in. So everyone thinks Bilbo is dead, because he hasn't come back. And obviously, the Sackville Bagginses since they're measuring to see if their furniture will fit in Bilbo's house, they're planning to move in. And although it's not very elaborated on here, uh, Bilbo and the Sackville Bagginses don't like each other. <coughs> they're obviously the, the not friendly branch of the family. And well, they're envious of what Bilbo has. Yeah, they want his stuff. They're uh, 
So, now that Bilbo is back and not dead, there's a lot of legal bother about it that actually lasted for years. You know, to prove that it's really him, he's not dead. And people who got really good bargains on buying his stuff took a <clears throat> took a deal of convincing. And in the end, Bilbo actually has to buy back some of his own furniture. So I imagine having the gold and the silver helped with that. Yeah. And so a lot of his silver spoons mysteriously disappeared and were never accounted for, and he suspected the Sackville Bagginses. And they never admitted that the return Baggins was genuine. And they were not on friendly terms with Bilbo ever after. And they'd really wanted to live in his nice hobbit hole. I mean, who wouldn't, but yeah. Uh, well, it had been, what, a year that Bilbo was gone? Little bit more than a little year, more but... Than a year? Well, the, his appearance wouldn't have changed, you know, especially if, you know, he's cleaned up a bit or whatever, which I imagine he did do. Yeah, he probably cleaned himself up and he looked pretty respectable, I imagine, when he arrived back uh, to Bag End. But, uh, so, th- they're not believing he was the genuine article. That's a little fishy. It is fishy and just kind of tells you something about the Sackville Bagginses. And uh, Bilbo finds he's lost more than spoons, he's lost his reputation, and he ever after remained an elf friend and had the honor of dwarves, wizards, and all such folk as ever passed that way, but he was no longer quite respectable, and was held by all the hobbits of the neighborhood to be queer, except for his nephews and nieces on the Took side, and even them, their friendship was not encouraged by their elders. And he did not mind. He was quite content. And the sound of the kettle on his hearth was ever after more musical than it had been even in the quiet days before the unexpected party, the sword he hung over the mantelpiece, this coat of mail he had in a stand in the hall until he lent it to um, a museum. He also, he got it back again after that's not mentioned, but since he has it again in the next book, um, largely spend his gold and silver on presents, both useful and extravagant, which, to a certain extent, accounts for the affection of his nie- nephews and his nieces, and the magic ring he kept a great secret, and he chiefly used it when unpleasant callers came, which I assume means the Sackville Bagginses. Yep. And he wrote poetry and visited the elves, and... Many shook their heads and touched their foreheads and said, Poor old Baggins, I assume this means the other hobbits, not the elves. And few believed any of his tales, and he remained very happy to the end of his days, and those were extraordinarily long. And he wrote his memoirs, which he thought of calling there and back again a hobbit's holiday, and here's the doorbell ringing, and it... Is Gandalf and Balin. And he invites them both in and um, 
Balin notices that Mr. Baggins' waistcoat was more extensive and had real gold buttons. And Bilbo notices that Balin's beard was several inches longer and his jeweled belt was of great magnificence. And they talked of old times and um, Bilbo asks how things are going in the at the mountain and things are going very well. Bard had rebuilt the town in Dale and men had gathered to him from the lake and from south and west. And the valley is, you know, being tilled in agriculture again. So they got fruit and blossoms and... Um, feasting in the autumn, Lake Town was refounded, more prosperous than ever. Wealth went up and down the running river, and there was friendship between elves, dwarves, and men. The master of Lake Town. Uh, you want to talk about what happened to him? Yeah, well, yeah, he he came to a bad end, which is kind of expected. You, he was kind of, you know, on the villainy side, and, uh, you know... Anyhow, uh, Bard had given him much gold for the help of the lake people, but being the the kind that easily catches such disease, he fell under the dragon sickness and took much of the gold and fled with it. And he died of starvation in the waste, deserted by his companions. Yeah, you can't eat gold, and uh, gold can... Uh, really, and not just gold, riches, wealth, can really mess with someone and uh, change them not necessarily in a good way. Um, So, the new master is a wiser kind, said Balin, and very popular, for, of course, he gets most of the credit for the present prosperity. They are making songs which say that in his day the river runs with gold. Then the prophecies of the old songs have turned out to be true after a fashion, said Bilbo. And um, Gandalf says, of course, why should they not? Why should not they prove true? Surely you don't disbelieve the prophecies because you had a hand in bringing them about yourself. You don't really suppose, do you, that all your adventures and escapes were managed by mere luck just for your sole benefit? You are a very fine person, Mr. Baggins, and I am very fond of you, but you are only quite a little fellow in a wide world after all. Thank goodness, said Bilbo, laughing, and handed him the tobacco jar. So that actually ends The Hobbit. Now that part about prophecies and... um. His adventures and escapes maybe not being just luck for his benefit. I think that might be a hint at a little bit of divine intervention, but since it's not really uh, a book that focuses on that sort of thing, it's just hinted at. Now, before we conclude this, I would like to mention that um, there are uh, pieces of artwork uh, scattered throughout the book. Um, So if you do have a copy of The Hobbit, definitely get a copy that has the illustrations. they are made by Tolkien, correct? Yeah. He, They're made by Tolkien. And he did them. He was a really good artist, actually. 
And right at the end, there's a a drawing of the inside of Bag End. Now, I'm not sure whether it's intended as proportional or not, but it shows like a rounded kind of ceiling and walls, round door. Got little furnitures for Bilbo, and there's Bilbo just standing there barefoot smoking his pipe, and um, it, you can see out of the door down the lane, trees and the Shire. Now, it looks big, and that's why I'm asking if it's really meant as proportional or not, because there's Bilbo, and there's a door that... Okay, if I'm assuming Bilbo's, like, between three and four feet tall... Like, the door looks like a taller person could fit through. It doesn't look like Bilbo could even grab the handle in the center of the door because of the height. So it's a really good drawing, but I'm not sure the size scale is reliable. I mean, it it, it looks like vaulted ceiling. It's uh, The ceiling is so high, and like I don't see a a way that the candle hanging, you know, the 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 light fixture, whatever hanging. Yeah, how would he get up to that to to, to light, light that it. candle or the oil, whatever? Like, how would he he get there to do that? But uh, or to wind the clock. It's so high up. It's, I mean, it's, I think a taller person could still fit in because Gandalf fit in, but, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any any more to say about this chapter? Uh, no. I think it I think it ended well. It is funny that, uh... uh, What I said about a possible hint at divine uh, intervention... I think that that's kind of a thing in Tolkien's writing that there is that sort of thing behind the scenes, but it's very seldom direct and obvious. Um, Well, Bilbo and Gandalf showing up on the very day. They're gone this long, and they show up on the very day that the auction is happening. And they get to the Dragon Mountain on the very day they have to to have the light hit the keyhole right. so they can get in. It's like Certain things like that just worked out improbably well. And um, not every edition has this, but some have the first chapter of The Fellowship of the Ring, which I'm not going to deal with here. I mean, we will, will be we will do it, but as future. a separate thing. But yeah, some copies have this. And at the very end, there's a map. Um, I think we may have discussed this map already, but... It shows... My book doesn't have that map. At the very end? No. Does it have it anywhere? I hope so. Not even at the beginning? No. No. Well, it's got... Basically starting from right... um, Before the area where the trolls and... uh, Rivendell 
through where the Lonely Mountain is. So the map cuts off before you get to the Shire. Um, shows just about the whole length of the Misty Mountains. Um, shows Mount Gundabad at the end, which is... It's a goblin stronghold, but it's not talked about much. Shows the Grey Mountains, and you can see like the route Bilbo would have gone around afterwards to get back. We see the whole Mirkwood and um, lots of spider webs on the map. You can see the elf path that they took, the enchanted river that they crossed, mountains of Mirkwood, which aren't talked about at all, but it shows that that's where the enchanted river is coming from. So something must be a little weird over there. Mm -hmm. The old forest road, which is apparently used by goblins and comes out in marshland. It's not showing the marshland in the map at all. Um, shows where Bjorn's house is. Shows a lot of like empty land along the river below the area where Bjorn's house is and I mean, I'm not showing, looking at a Lord of the Rings map side by side, but I think this might be Rohan. And uh, Tolkien hadn't come up with Rohan yet when the map was drawn. A uh, little smog drawing next to the Lonely Mountain, and he doesn't always draw smog the exact same way. Yeah, I was going to say, comparing that smog with that smog in the front of my book I actually prefer the drawing in my book better than the drawing in this map um, it's just so classic smog according to uh, um, Tolkien even though it's not like his description when you actually you know, encounter smog in the story. It doesn't look like the drawing. It doesn't look like the drawing, but I still love the drawing. And, like, if... Honestly, if I got a tattoo, that is one thing that is at the top of my list, is getting a A little smog, the stylized one from the... The stylized um, dragon from the book. And also the very simplistic mountain... Uh, those are the two I've thought about, uh, though I've never had a tattoo. If I do, that's what I'm thinking about. And at the edge of the map, there's where Tolkien signed his initial, and um, he actually layered the letters so it would uh, make a, a symbol, uh, the JRRT. Got you a shirt with that on it once. Yeah. Oh, that shirt, I hate to say, is getting so worn out. Well, it, that happens. That happens. Well, The Hobbit is done. Hope you enjoyed uh, listening about it. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast. We certainly enjoyed uh, presenting it to you. Uh, we hope that you uh, follow along, uh, like Cast It Into the Fire podcast on Facebook. Um um, you can join the group, too, also on Facebook. Um, 
and we'll be doing more books, both by Tolkien and otherwise. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.